Hi, and welcome to the introductory episode of Textures. I thought it would be nice for the audience to get to know a little about me and the missions for this podcast. So I asked Margaret Cruz, associate designer at VLA and good friend, to sit down and chat about how all this came to be. Hi, Margaret. Hi, Valerie. To celebrate this new adventure, and because I'm a little radio shy... I brought a tasty product from your hometown of Epernay, France. Ooh, sounds <laughs> promising. So Valerie, tell me, what was it like growing up in the champagne capital of the world? Well, that was pretty nice, I have to say. I can imagine. Uh, as a child, I didn't realize I was uh, living in a such special uh, space, place. Epernay is a very small city. We're talking about 24,000 people. I know for you American people, you have such bigger city. Maybe it looks like a village, um, which is not, but it's a small city and which is amazing is when you walk in the street of Epernay, you have to realize that you walk over hundreds kilometers of cellars. And in these cellars, you have millions and millions of bottles of champagne. And this Incredible. is what we have been raised on. And it's funny because you don't really realize something special. I mean, you know that you have a lot of tourists coming. You know there is a product that everyone's drinking. It's champagne. But you don't realize that it's worldwide known. Right. So when I was going to school, uh, Patrick, in my high school, it was fascinating because my high school, beautiful buildings, very old ones, was in the second nicest avenue in France, which is the Avenue de Champagne. And along the way, you have all these incredible, big and beautiful and luxury houses of Champagne. Name a few for us. Like Mouet and Chandon, and also Laurent Perrier, Perrier Jouette. I mean, there is like 20 houses of Champagne along the way. And it's just beautiful. It sounds luxurious. It is. And um, the city is nice, but what is beautiful is not only the product. Of course, you know, when you pop a, a bottle of champagne, you have this beautiful color, the bubble, the gold, the smell. I mean, everything is magic. But what is magic is also the area, you know, the vineyard in the summer, in the fall. Uh, the harvest is just like a magic time where you just have all the, the streets of a city are sticky <laughs> just because the, the grapes, you know, we carry the grapes uh, in trailers and then just by the weight, it just you have some juice getting out of the trailers and all the streets are just so full of juice and sticky and everything. Are you telling me that the streets are literally flowing with champagne? Not yet. <laughs> the champagne is underneath, but we're talking about only the... Um, the, gra the grape juice, but it's a magic place to to live. I I have to admit, and I love it because of the countryside and the small small size. It still has that quaint feel. Yeah, it's pretty nice. So you've mentioned you get your entrepreneurial spirit from your dad and your more creative side from your mom. Tell me a little bit about that and what it was like being raised in the trailer building factory uh, that your dad ran in France. Yes, because, you know, in Epernay, beside uh, the fact that most of people are uh, working in the champagne industry, there is a couple of people who are not, just like my parents. And my dad um, has a, we have a family business that produce uh, big trainers. 
and I went to business school just by being in my family and, you know, listening to my parents and my father at the dining table, um, having customer people, you know, customer coming to the house, uh, and also being in the factory quite a bit. And as a child, you know, Saturday, you take your bike and what do you do? You just, you know, your father's working in a factory and you take your bike and you just turn around. And it's pretty interesting to see the beauty in an environment where, where your first idea will not find anything beautiful. It's I mean, such an industrial environment. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about building huge trailers. Right. It's nothing artistic about it. You know, it's massive. However, um, when you see the people welding, the sparks, you know, uh, you see people manipulating raw steels and aluminum and the way they work and they're going to make holes in it and you're going to have little piece particle that's going to fall on the ground. And this huge piece of steels could have been easily turned into sculpture. Well, it didn't happen because that was not the purpose of it. But this is something I could see and appreciating the material, appreciating the, the, the skill of the people working hard with the material and just making something, you know, very interesting at the end. So seeing all those elements that eventually become a, a product, a thing, something that is different than what it originally was. Yes. And also, which I think I liked is really from this very hard and heavy material in steels, when they were making holes, you have this all this little particle and it can it was flying. And then you have a light that can hit on it and it just you know, it just helps you to understand that there is one layer of a reading, but you can learn so much having, you know, just switch your vision. What do you see? Steel, aluminum, people welding, kind of dirty, hard, harsh, but it also can be extremely light. And what, you know, you just, when you see, you had this crane taking this big, big piece of, uh, big elements to build the trailers and they were like dancing, you know, because you have to take one piece to another side of a factory. And so it's the way you see the world. That can, you know, makes you travel or create. All about perspective. Yes. That's very interesting. So that was my business part, you know, uh, my, it's my business brand from um, my father's side and my mother, much more um, artistic, you know, a lot of uh, writing and a lot of readings and calligraphy, you know, much more, much uh, artistic, I would say. So this is who I am today. I have one brand who is business and one brand uh, who is more artistic. And I think this is how I grew up. Yeah, it's been a great balance. Yes. You made frequent trips to Paris as a young girl. What was it like to be so young and in such a big, vibrant, culturally significant city? Well, First, Epernay is so close from Paris. I mean, even more today because we have a high-speed train. Uh, but at my time, if I can say, uh, you take your train and one hour later, you are in Paris, which is very easy. And so, at a, you know, when I was 15, uh, I knew I was attracted by uh, the creative side of life and, uh, and I wanted to learn more. So for three summers... 
I decided to attend some lecture at the École du Louvre. So the Museum of the Louvre also has a school, very, very good school where you can learn about art history. And I thought it was very interesting. So I was taking my train in the morning at seven. When I was later, I was in Paris. And I was lucky because my parents had, you know, trusted me. And how old were you at the time? 15. Oh, wow. 15, 16, 17. And uh, I did that for three years. And I was <laughs> obviously the youngest uh, in the class. But, you know, it's kind of a, you, you register and uh, the, on, the only program that worked for me was a summer program because, you know, I was at school otherwise. And I learned a lot. However, I realized that learning about art history was good, but I really wanted to do something with my hands and creating something. So after graduated from high school, I um, applied to different art school and I got in the Ecole Camondo. Um, and I really invite you, the Ecole Camondo also has a um, beautiful museum, which is a museum, Nissim de Camondo in Paris. Uh, if you want to go visit, it's beautiful, but let's go. <laughs> let's I'd love to visit. So uh, Ecole Camondo, it's a five-year program where you study interior design and product design. And it's one of the more respected uh, design schools in the world, no? I, in the world, I don't know, but <laughs> in France, definitely, it's a beautiful school, beautiful program. But it boasts some um, pretty impressive students, uh, like Philippe Stark. <laughs> yes, so Philippe Stark uh, was not like Valérie Legras. <laughs> he was, he's such a genius, but he didn't have to graduate. He went to Ecole Camondo, and after a while, he just said, like, I'm out of here because I can do it on my <laughs> own. Someone like me, uh, you know, I went all the way through. So I did five years <laughs> and I needed that degree. <laughs> so in America, there's seems to be a bit of a stigma about art schools, but we've discussed how important that time was for you and your career and creative growth. What are some of the valuable lessons or skills that you learned there? First, I learned how to work a lot <laughs> because it was a very intensive program. Then you learn how to see the world again differently. And the two first years had nothing to do as what you can imagine you're going to study in interior design or product design school. We never learned how to draw a plan or an elevation. It was all about pushing, incredibly pushing your creative boundaries. And if you see this in front of you, what's behind. And if you associate this element with the other element, what's going to come up with? And it's all about pushing, working you know, together as a team, joining this brand with this brand and this brand. And if we, if I have a vision and you have a vision, maybe when we work together, we're going to come up with something you know, very special. And not only you have to learn to work as a team, but also you have to you learn how to see the world a different way. And I think this is why today I'm never bored because you, we are surrounded by incredibly beautiful elements that we don't even see. And I never get bored. I mean, give me even my, my iPhone or my, a camera with a micro uh, lens and you can see something from far and you get closer and you zoom in and you, there is another world. And that's magic. Yeah, And I think that's, I never get bored. We are 
I can see in, find inspiration anywhere. And I think it's coming from all these years. And that's, I think that makes this school very special because we don't jump in, you know, you want to be an interior designer. Okay. Let's learn about how to draw a plan, what size, you know, the space. No, it's nothing about it. It's really learning how you feel space, how you can, uh, the, the colors resonate. One the different the elements yes. and layers. And yes. it sounds like a lot of collaboration as well. Yes. So it was very, very interesting. So I, and, you know, you learn about um, the freedom that you have. Because if you take an artist and he's going to have a white canvas, well, there is nothing more uh, free than having something starting from scratch. Well, <laughs> are you going for the obvious answer or are you going to push yourself and really flip things around? And when I say flip things around, is maybe flipping your brain <laughs> and the way you see. So, yeah, changing your perspective. Yes. So... Moving is never easy, and I imagine moving to a whole new country with four children had its challenges. What was that like? How did you? How were you able to adjust to America when you moved to New Orleans? Well, adjusting to America, I don't know, but adjusting to New Orleans was pretty easy because it's such a beautiful, beautiful city. When I say it's easy, um, it's a just a welcoming city. Uh, again, the scale of the city is beautiful. Um, I really felt at home very quickly. Um, it was just, you know, organizations setting up for kids in school, uh, trying to understand, uh, how things work here. Uh, my worst nightmare has been when I had to open up my energy account, which oh, was energy. horrible because if you listen to me today, I have a heavy accent, but back then was even worse. And when I talked to someone who speak English with a very heavy Louisiana accent, that was very hard. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> so that was uh, interesting. But beside that, um, I know people, it was right after Katrina, I mean, two years after Katrina, and the press, the media were very hard on New Orleans. Uh, you know, the city should have never reopened. This is what I was reading when I was in France. You know, the city should have never reopened. The um, level of uh, crime is extremely high. It, so it was very negative. And people were thinking, you know, what a this is the craziest idea to go move in New Orleans. So I didn't feel that at all when I arrived here. I mean, not only the people were extremely welcoming beyond what I have ever known in Europe. Because I don't know, it's a New Orleans things. <laughs> Southern hospitality, yes. I guess. Yes. And you don't, you arrive here, you don't know anyone and you have your neighbors coming to your door and say, Hey, welcome in the neighborhood. Where are you from? And, da, 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 da. and it's just wonderful. And this is how I felt, um, home. And I started to engage with people and it was quite easy. So you've always had this entrepreneurial spirit, and uh, I know when you moved here, you've told me about a cooking class that you kind of stumbled upon, and you found yourself with an accidental cooking school in your kitchen. Yeah, tiny bitty cooking school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so once all the children are, you know, set up, then you, that was the first time when I, I was with myself, with no job, no Basically, I had to reinvent my life. But, you know, you also have this, um, you depend on your visa. And so you cannot work just like that. You have to 
be patient. There's, you yeah, know, there is tape. rules, exactly. Yeah. So I'm home and I love to cook because that's part of my culture. And it's important for the children, healthy, and it's just so tasty, you know. So I had to learn about ingredients and about how things were working in in, in the U.S. You know, you, you don't use the same uh, measure scales. Uh, what is a pan? I don't really know. Oh, you have ribs. We, we don't have ribs in, in France because we cut them in a different way. So I was remember, I remember going to the supermarket and trying to find out how things work here. And then you don't use creme fraiche. You have whippy cream. And if you cook with um, this, um, uh, oh, help me, this white cream, um, sour cream. Oh, sour cream, Of yep. course, it's going to be a disaster because this is not the same thing as creme fraiche, right. you know. <laughs> so I was kind of struggling and I thought it was pretty fun to just explore this and, you know, reinvent my way of cooking, the French way, but with American rules, I would say. Uh, adapts, not rules, but, you know, adapts, ingredients, ingredients yeah. you know. And I have neighbors coming and say, oh, my God, it smells so good here. What are you doing? I said, well, I'm cooking. And just, it was serendipity. I had one friend's you know, neighbors, I said, can I come with you? And I say, yes, please sit down. And, you know, we, we talk together and I'm cooking. And then I say, well, instead of you watching me, why don't you do it with me? Oh, so she was so excited. And from one person, one, another and another. And finally, I started a, on a weekly basis doing some cooking class. So, I mean, really, we were doing Julia Child. <laughs> I mean, a more yeah. contemporary way, but it was very um, interesting. And I loved it because cooking, it's so communal. Yeah. It's good food. It's yeah. an international language. It's yeah. just so, exactly. It's so easy. And it's also very creative. So I loved it. And from there, I started to develop more cooking and uh, more cooking class. And at some point, I decided it was not for me because I was kind of turning into a cooking machine and the pleasure was not there. And even though it's creative, this is not my channel. That's not my call. Right. It's I needed to go no. I needed to go back yourself. to interior design and 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 again just I needed to go back to my pens and I want I was missing my field. So I just switch. So you when you say it like that it sounds so easy, but I'm sure it was not as simple as just picking up an interior design career. It's not. <laughs> it's not. So basically, not only I didn't know how to start, but I didn't know anything about the way of building here, construction. You know, I, know, I had no network here. I had I didn't know anyone. I decided to learn, teach myself how to do it. And the safest way was to be my own client. So I purchased a small house. You know, it was again, uh, not that long after Katrina. So, so many houses and neighborhood needed to be, um, needed attention and needed to be rebuilt. So I purchased a small house and I learned my own way, you know, and hiring this painter, this plumber, going to city hall, understanding how, you know, uh, permit we're working, uh, code enforcement we're working, um, finding the right connection. And it was the best way for me to put my, my feedback into the, the field. And when I felt uh, comfortable enough, I decided that I needed more creativity. 
Because at some point, flipping houses, you know, you have to, if you want to do it, um, I mean, not everyone has your tests. You have to be very neutral. And yes, it was good for me. But at some point, I decided that I needed to push the design more because I was getting bored. And, I, I, and I've been just noticed, you know, by... Um, some uh, online publication here. And so the more creative you got with the houses you were rehabbing, the more attention you were getting? This is how it happens, yes. And from there, I had some, you know, different people I knew around me that asked me to design their um, restaurants uh, and big restaurants. Right? To me, it was big. <laughs> um, uptown and um, a yoga studio and the house. And it just just started so in 2016 or 17 i cannot remember um 16 i think i decided that maybe it was time to create a website and just say okay i'm back (laughs) the bla has opened yes so now fast forward to today and your business is taking off you have more projects than ever a staff so why start a podcast now because you know, you speak about VLA, which is which stands for Valerie Legrand Atelier, and I'm really attached to the word atelier. It means we do things with our hands, it means we create something from scratch, and that's very important, you know, to me. The reason I studied the podcast is about sharing. Along the way, when I developed my business, I run into here in New Orleans and elsewhere, I run into incredible creative mindset. No, creative minds. Creative minds. Creative yeah. minds. I'm sorry. See, this is my, <laughs> my French background. Sometimes I'm like lost. Um, so I, I run into incredible creative minds and incredibly skilled people, artists, artisan, master uh, craft. And it's just fascinating because interior designer, people like me, we're nothing without the makers. Yes, the makers with nothing. And I feel like it's a way to give back. You know, I've been lucky coming to this country. I mean, I've been lucky to, uh, I've been uh, born and raised in a beautiful country, beautiful city. I went to Paris, uh, work and live there for eight years, moved to New Orleans. I'm very lucky. How can I share my passion, give back to the people that allows me to make it happen? And I will not be today without, again, artist, but I just met a welder, woodmaker, furniture maker, ceramist artist. I mean, all these people helped me to build this business. And I feel like we, most of the time, people don't realize that when you deliver a product or you deliver an interior or a project, there is so much more than you can see. And most of the time, the people behind the curtains, you know, we don't give them enough credit, but there is a whole world there that is incredible. And I think the more we are, we share all together, the more this community, this creative community interact with each other, the more we're going to all benefits. So tell me about the title, Textures. So this is about slowing down and putting on the micro lens to learn about the people who add textures to our world and discover their world, their work, and how they made it happen. I think it's fascinating. 
The podcast will be an informal and open conversation about living and leading a creative life. Creativity is definitely not an island, and I want to share. Well, that sounds fascinating, and I'm excited to hear the first episode. And I encourage all of our listeners to download and subscribe and share with your friends and tune in. Yes, it's very exciting. You can find all about the podcast on the, the website at slash podcast. And just like Margaret said, you can subscribe to your favorite platforms. Ching ching. Ching ching. Thank you, Margaret. A bientôt et merci. Au revoir.